Good morning. Good morning. All right. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. You know me, I say that all the time, but I really mean that. And um, this week we have about 50, I think, that are down in the Dallas area uh, for the uh, an event down there, the Winterfest. And they left on Friday and they're on their way back now. We just pray that they'll have a, a little bit of um, um, energy built for us as they come back. And I know they've been refreshed in their spirits as well. And we're thankful that they get to go and be a part of that. Last week, if you were here, we started a series of messages. And uh, hopefully this series of messages will help all of us grow in our walk with God. Of course, in ministry, that's what we try to do all the time. But in this process, my goal is to help us grow spiritually. And by all of us growing spiritually, it will help us, we believe, to grow numerically. Someone says, how does that happen? Well, it happens by if, if we grow in Christ and the world around us, around us, they begin to see what it is that God is doing in our lives, they will be attracted to what he has done and doing for us. We all go through things in life, whether you're a Christian or not Christian, good, bad, and ugly, and everything in between. Christians are to handle those good, bad, and uglies totally different than what the world does. And the reason why we're to handle it differently is because we have Christ within us that gives us the strength to be able to work through those things in a proper manner. And by doing so, the world around us that doesn't know how to handle those things will see us handling them and can come to us and simply say, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with that forgiveness when that person hurts you so badly? How do you deal with that loss of a loved one? How do you deal with the the boss, or how do you deal, how do you, how do you handling all that? How does that, how is that possible? And so by doing so, when they come to us, we need to have an answer. And this is one way you can tell if you're maturing in Christ, is that people will ask you for spiritual advice. So it's important to know that we are growing in Christ, not just saying that we go to church on a Sunday, but that we're actually growing in Christ. Uh, last week, we entitled this series of messages, 18 Areas to Improve You in 2018. We're going to switch that up just a little bit this year, but we talked about the first two areas last week. The number one was you have to have a desire within you to grow spiritually. Anything you do in life, you have to have a desire, and then you have to do something with that desire to accomplish that. And so what our challenge is to you and for all of us this year is to challenge ourselves to have the desire to grow in the Lord. Give me an amen. We also talked about love and love, the importance of love. We spent a long time on that and the importance of love. Love is the, the, love has the biggest potential to grow within the Christian's life. Why? Because God is love and love is the only thing that will last forever because God is love. And so knowing what love is and experiencing God's love and then expressing that, growing in our love for the for each other, the Scripture says, that's how the world will know that we are His disciples if we love one another. Now, it's really easy for me to love people that love me, but people that don't love me, it's a little hard sometimes. And sometimes it's hard to love the person sitting right next to you. Anybody? And sometimes it's hard to, pers- hard to love the person that you see in the mirror sometimes. Amen? And so we have to work on growing that love, but God does not give us a challenge in our life that he doesn't know that we can accomplish it with his help. Give me an amen. So in that, from this point on, I'm going to entitle this series, The Spiritual Growth. It's spiritual growth that all of us need in our lives, as you can see on the screen there for you today. 
And in that, I want to talk to you today about this studying the Word of God, the importance of studying the Word of God. Studying the Word of God can enrich every single aspect of your life. Every single aspect of your life can be improved by studying the Word of God. So we're going to talk about that today. I thought I might get to two areas today, but the truth is I could spend two or three weeks just on this subject matter alone. So this week you're going to get one, which is truly we can grow our spiritual walk if we study the Word of God. The question is, are we doing that? Or am I doing that is the question. Do you really study the Word of God? Have you picked your Bible up this past week? How much time did you spend reading God's Word to you? Think about that. I often use that as when I was in the military, my wife would send me letters And, you know, you're a long ways from home. And when you get a letter and they do the roll call and everything, it isn't that they call out your name and say, Harley Davidson. And I say, here I am. Do you think I get the letter and just put it under my pillow or just say, ah, we'll get to it later. No, man, you rip that thing open. You want to read because you want to know what she has to say. You want to know what the one that loves you has to say. I miss you. This is going on at the house. And so forth. You long for that. Well, God has given us this letter, this word of his, and he's asking, have you read it lately? Or do you read it and do like a lot of people do? They read it simply, but they read it and simply say this. They look at it as though they would a rerun on TV. Oh, I already read that one once. Let's flip over there. Yep, read that one too. I'm done for today. It doesn't work. God longs for us to read his word because his word does something to us. D.L. Moody said it this way, the scriptures were not given to us for information alone. They were given to us for transformation. The scripture transforms us and what we were from what we were to what God wants us to be. Give me an amen. But I do like what Mark Twain said, not exactly a strong Christian I hear, but was, but he said it this way, most people are bothered by those passages of scripture that they do not understand. But the passages that bother me most of all are those that I do understand. That's true, isn't it? Sometimes we read them and say, oh man, I wish he wouldn't have said that. It's there for a reason. It's kind of like the lady that went to the preacher and says, my Bible doesn't say that. He said, yes, it does. She says, no, it doesn't. He said, yes, it does. She says, no, it doesn't. Well, how can that be? She said, I ripped it out. The word of God is Truth, period. I want you to know that as we move into this message today. Uh, Barbara Tuckman says it this way. She says, books, books are the carriers of civilization. I like that statement. She says, without books, history is silent. Without books, literature is dumb. Science is crippled. Thought and speculation is at a standstill. For books are humanity and print. Now, while that might be true, I would also say that the Bible is more than humanity in print. It is life. It is life for the believer. Do you know that? In this book is life for you. An eternal life, God says, it sustains us. It strengthens us. 
It equips us. It shapes us. It exposes us and it encourages us. But most of all, it should transform us. Have you allowed God's Word to transform you into someone different than you were when you first met Him? It's a tough question, isn't it? Have you grown in that? In studying studying God's Word, we learn our purpose in life. We come to realize that we are created by Him and for Him and redeemed by Him for a specific (laughs) purpose to do His good works in our lives. If you don't study it, you can miss out on all of those things. And you can miss certainly the joy and the peace that I believe that all people are longing to find. If you don't have joy and peace in your life, most likely you're not studying God's Word. Because God tells us in His Word, if you remain in Me, you will bear much fruit. And the fruit that God bears is peace and joy in the believer. Let's pray. Father, I pray over this message today. I pray for Your Word to be seen first. And I pray that we will all accept it, Father, not because of the person that teaches it, but because of the one that has given it, and that is you, Father. Thank you for your living word. Thank you for what it can do for us. Father, allow each of us this morning to open our hearts, touch us and move us in your word so that we might become more like you, less like what we are. Father that it is the truth and that it can change us, mold us and shape us, encourage us and equip us and transform us into your likeness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A question is often asked like this. How can we trust the word of God when it was given to humans to pen it? I've asked, been asked that question on several occasions where people have said, how can you trust this? How can it, it's, it's really by sinful men. Sinful men wrote this book, did they not? Well, in that, how can we be sure about something that has been written by men? Well, I want to quote uh, Charles Swindoll. I wouldn't agree with everything that he teaches, but I would agree with this. He uses this in his Living Insights uh, Study Bible that he has. And he states it better than I could ever do it, and so here goes. He said, we have no problem with the great, uh, the giver of truth, which is God himself, for he gave it. And here's the question. But wasn't the truth corrupted when he related it to the earth through the hands and the minds of sinful men? This is a perfect moment, he says, for you to become acquainted with three doctrinal terms. A doctrinal term means it cannot be moved. It's solid. It's not a tradition. It's not a preference. A preference is we start at 9.30, you start at 10.30. We like this, you like that. But something that is solid is doctrine. Jesus Christ is Lord. Solid. Cannot be moved. It's there. And so in this, he says, this is a perfect time. You can get acquainted with three doctrinal terms. Revelation, inspiration, and illumination. How does that work? He said, revelation occurred when God gave his truth. He revealed it for us. Inspiration occurred when the writers of Scripture received it and recorded his truth. 
And today when we understand it and apply His truth, that is illumination for us. And those of us, those of us that are Christians, someone told you about the story of Jesus Christ. Someone told you that He lived a life and He took your sin upon Himself at the cross He lived, He died, He went to a grave, and He rose from the grave. And if you put your hope, trust in Him, and accept Him as your Savior, you too would be saved. You heard that story, and somewhere in your life, it illuminated, and it became real to you, because you put your faith in that truth. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how God's designed it. In fact, Paul wrote to his younger counterpart, Timothy, in the second letter to him, he said basically these words, keep the faith, buddy. Keep the faith. You know what they've been doing to me and you know what has happened to me throughout all of these years. You know my story inside and out. And you know one thing for sure, that God has not let me down and God will not let you down or anyone else. Listen to what he says. In this writing, 2 Timothy chapter 3, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yikes. Well, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived themselves. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And watch this. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. You want to know why it's important for us to dismiss our kids and send them down to that class called the Sunshine Express? It's because we want to impart to them the Holy Scripture of God. You don't want to know why? Because it's the truth that will guide them as it guides us as well. Give me an amen. Watch this. He says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I like the translation of the New Living Translation here. If you read it there for yourself, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching. Teaching us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Did you see that? I think the problem with that verse, though, what we have is that's the problem. Many don't want to read it because they don't want to be corrected. They want to continue to do and live the way they live. Oh, they want to be saved in the end, but they still want to do what they want to do. And so they don't read it because if they read it, they may feel guilty. And if they feel guilty, they may have to change and they don't want to change. And that is the truth. No believer can apply truth that he doesn't know. You just guess. So it's essential that we know the truth, which is the Word of God. Those who don't know the Bible principles, Ronnie Floyd says, for marriage and divorce and family, child rearing and discipline, money, debt, work, services to Christ, responsibilities to the poor, For the care of the widows, response to the governments, and eternal rewards and other teachings will not be able to apply them to their lives. And in every aspect that I just gave you, every area of that, God gives us direction in every single one of those. God wants your marriage to be successful, and so He gives you the Word to show you how to make that marriage successful. 
God gives you his word so that you can raise your children in knowing him and how to do that, how to be able to work through those disciplines that you might have at home or at business or even within the body of Christ. He gives us all of that in scripture, but we will never know it unless we study it. So he says, will you study my word? If you don't study the word of God, you won't know the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, you cannot receive the blessings that are in or that what God wants you to have. David said long ago in Psalms 119, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Have you hidden the word of God in your heart? My challenge for you this year is this, is that you hide the word of God in your heart. Take something that you're doing that is repetitive in your life, something that you can do without, that you do all the time for five minutes or ten minutes. I remember Jim challenging our men's class years ago, and he said, let's just read the Bible every day for five minutes. And the first week we came back, and there were probably 25 or 30 of us in the class, and we came back, and how did you do? How many of you did it all seven days? Most of us didn't. Most of us didn't. Five minutes. Five. Can you read the Bible every day for five minutes? Can you read what God wants you to be and do and have for five minutes a day? Do you read your stock reports more than you read God's Word? Do you read the newspaper and the sports more than you read God's Word? You see the challenge there. Read the sports. Read the stock market. If that's what you're in, but take time also to say, you know what? I'm going to lay this down for just a few minutes and I'm going to read what God has for me today. Because I believe what God has for me today is much more important than whether the Dallas Cowboys lose another season. It is because God wants us to hear him. We'll talk about that in a minute. I did a message a long time ago and I pulled a portion of that out and it's about what is your compass in life? That's what I'm asking. What's your compass in life? You see, if if you want to grow, someone has to challenge you. That's what good coaches do. That's what teachers do. That's what parents do. And that's what pastors or preachers ought to do, is to challenge us. And this is a challenge for all of us. I don't stand up here and say, hey, mightier, I'm mightier than everybody else, because I don't do that. I long to do it more. I long to be in God's word more. When it comes to establishing a standard for yourself, what do you use? What's the basis that you use? What others say? That's pretty much our country today, isn't it? What other people say. It could be the latest fad, whatever the latest fad is. Let's just keep up with them. Let's have that hairdo. Let's have that style. Let's talk like that. Let's be like that. That must be cool. This is the great, this is right. And it's the latest fad and we follow those things. But the compass that you have, what I guess I'm asking is, does, is the compass that you have, is it actually correct? Is it leading you north when you say, I want to go north? If I were to take you to a jungle and say, hey, the only way out of here is north, and here is a compass, you'd say, thank God for a compass, wouldn't you? I would. But just before I left on that helicopter ride that you're not on, I simply yelled out and I said, oh, by the way, The compass is broke. You're in trouble. You're just guessing. You might go right, you might go left, because you might be going east thinking you're going north, and all of those things, oh, I can figure it out. And that's what a lot of people think they can figure out even through salvation. I'll just figure it out on my own. 
And God says, here's the plan of salvation. I've already laid it out for you. Just read it, accept it, and do it, and be saved. Amen? That's God for us. Now, listen, when the storms of life come, as Paul mentioned, these persecutions that come in our life, and they do for all of us, when they come in their life, will you be tossed around like at sea? Listen to what Lakato says about that. He says, when they come along and they toss you around like a raft at sea, you need to know which lighthouse shows you where to find the shore. I underlined that one and wrote that one down and put it in my good stuff file. Because you need to know where the shore is. You need to know where that lighthouse is. Jesus is the light. If you don't know that it's Jesus and you don't know what he says, you can drift out to sea and sin and pain, sorrow and hurt, thinking that you're going in the right direction, all along going the wrong direction. You need to know Jesus and what he says about those things. Give me an amen. There is nothing more reliable than God's word, my friend. Nothing. It is the truth from cover to cover, you hear me say. It is essential then that we not only believe it, but that we hold it up as our standard. A Christian without the study of God's word is like a bird without feathers. You're not getting off the ground. You can flap your wings all you want to, but you're not getting off the ground. Even our great country in which we live was founded upon godly principles based upon the truth of God's word. And that's why this country has been so great. George Washington said these words, and let it ring through this room today. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Oh my. And I think ever since that statement, we've been trying to do just the opposite. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. Abraham Lincoln said it this way, I believe the Bible is the best gift God ever gave to man. Someone said, well, I thought it was Jesus. Yes, it is Jesus, but without the story, we wouldn't know it without the writing of it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Knowing the story of Jesus, that it's in here, it's imparted to us by God. We love this enough to tell us. Notice what scripture says in Psalms 33, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's either true or it's false. And I'm here to tell you today, it is true. There will never be, there never has been, and never will be a nation that will be blessed if it does not follow the teachings of God. It is not a D at the end of the name. It is not an R at the end of the name. They didn't mess it up. Who's messed it up is people have followed someone else other than God. Period. It's the truth. We can claim it's all these other things, but the truth is when we take God out of the picture, things get messed up. Those of us that have been Christian for quite some time, maybe you're, let me just explain it through me. There was a short period of my life when we were, Don and I were first married, that I really was kind of faking it as a Christian. Ever fake it as a Christian? Somebody might be going, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to talk about me. You, you, you went through the motions. You showed up at church and you took the communion, but you know inside you weren't right. You know something wasn't quite right with that. Where are you at with that today? If you read God's word, what I discovered after my brother jerked me out from underneath the car and said, we don't talk like that. 
I began to read God's Word again, and in God's Word I discovered I'm His child. I carry His name. And I can't find anywhere in there where He behaved like that. And when I read more, I discovered more that I was doing wrong. But I also discovered when I read the book of Romans that God was a God of wonderful, marvelous grace. And I ran to that grace. And I accepted that grace. And I'm thankful for that grace. If anybody's in this room has ever been through that, give me an amen. Now keep in mind, keep in mind that the Bible is not some truth, a little bit of truth, a portion of truth, a portion of truth. It is all truth. Jesus said these words when he talked to the Father himself in a prayer. He just simply said, your word is truth, period. Word is truth. Truth you can rely on, truth that will never fade away. Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Why? Because truth never stops. Truth never changes. It's always, period. Do you ever have a a shirt or an article clothing clothing that you you just really love to wear and 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 it faded over time or just faded out? Well, God's word never fades out. It never gets old, never gets rusty, never gets out of date, never fades. When Don and I were um, married in '76 and about probably about '78 '79, she bought me this beautiful. During a staying alive era, um, the she brought me this beautiful sweater, is this velour type sweater, and it was kind of a burgundy and a cream color in the middle, and some more burgundy and cream color. And I was slim back then, and it looked really good. I liked it a lot. Well, we went on vacation, or with the Christmas break, we went to her parents' house down in Kentucky, and oh, while we were there, her mother washed the clothes, and she took that sweater and she hung it over the t- the rack in the in the in the, the shower bar. And I walk in the bathroom and here's this beautiful sweater with all these red marks all the way through that cream color. I didn't wear that sweater anymore. God's word never fades. You can twist it, you can tie it, you can do anything you want to with it, but it will never fade because it is rock solid. Swindoll says, washed in the cycle of countless generations, yet no fading can be found. Isn't that good? No fading can be found. That's the truth of the Bible, of God's Word. That is precisely what the Bible is all about. That is why the Bible provides us with right directions. It does. If you don't know where to go, you ask for directions. If you're a lady. Men, what do we do? We drive a little further. Yeah. That's right. And you never, you never asked your wife. <laughs> Even when they're trying to tell you, right? But when you don't know where you're going, you ask for directions. If you don't know what to ask for, you ask for wisdom. If you don't know how to say something, you ask for advice. If you don't know how to do something, you ask for guidance. That's what we're supposed to do. If you ask for any of those from the wrong person, you can be in big trouble. Big trouble. And I think sometimes that's exactly and precisely what we do. We ask the wrong people all the time. God said, right here, here I am. 
Here's my take on that. Ask God first. He doesn't mind. In fact, he encourages to. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, he says. God's word is light to guide us. Psalms 119 says. God's word there is to lead us to prosperity. His word says, Joshua 1, 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on a day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written within it. Why? Then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to be prosperous? Who doesn't want to be? Who doesn't want to be prosperous? Who doesn't want to be successful? Not one person raised their hand. Who wants to be prosperous? Who wants to be successful? God says, you hold to my truths. Prosperity comes. Success comes. It's there. For the taking, if we go for it. When you read this book, you are actually hearing from God. And let me explain. You're hearing his counsel. You're hearing his commands. You're hearing his desires. You're hearing his warnings. You're hearing his very nature. You're hearing his very heart. You're hearing his very mind. The mind of God. The nature of God. When you rely on God's voice in your life, his very message to you, you have a sure foundation to build upon. And with that sure foundation, success will always follow every time. Have you heard his voice is the question. I think that you can if you listen as you read. And I'll state that again. I think that you can hear the voice of God when you read. Now, I would also say this takes time to master. Why do I say that? It's because we normally read something to be informed. That's what we do. And I believe that God wants us to read His Word to be informed. Yes. However, I also believe that He wants us to hear His voice as well. How do I know that? Because Scripture says in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. Are you listening as you're reading God's word? Are you actually listening to what is being said to you when you read God's word? Are you reading God's word just to read it, or are you reading it to hear it in your life? In Revelations, he says this. He says, here I am. I love that. That means God's not hiding. You are. Here I am. God doesn't hide from anyone. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he knocking at your door? If you hear the knock, you don't open the, you don't go to the door 50 times a day and open it up just for the heck of it. If you do, let's talk. But if you hear a knock at the door, what do you do? You hear it and you open it. And what does he say? The reason why I stand at the door and I knock is because I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have lunch with you. That's what God wants. I'm knocking at the door. Do you hear what I'm, do you hear that I'm here for you? And in that process, we can sit down with God and have those conversations because what happens when we begin to study the word of God, it leads us into talking to God. And we're going to talk about that 
in a week or so. When you study the Word of God, you hear the Word of God, you begin then to talk to God. This will help you grow spiritually. Yes, I understand that we there needs to be more than just we need to be more than just hearers of the word, James chapter one. I understand that. But if you don't hear the word or what it is that God wants you to do, how will you know to do it? So we have to be hearers of the word. And by the way, you can say, Well, I've read it ten times. Well, listen to me, you can read it a thousand times, but until you hear it down in here, it's just words on a page. That's all it is. It's just another book in your library. But when you read God's Word, it's new every morning, Scripture says, and that Word now begins to generate something within here, deep down inside of you. And the more of you get of what God has for you, and you realize what God has for you and what He's trying to tell you, the thirstier you, you will get for reading more of God's Word. You won't end you will begin to go, wow, I want to spend six minutes. I want to spend 10 minutes. And then pretty soon it's like your offerings. If you realize that, what happens is now you're just giving. You're not looking at a percentage. You're actually doing it because you've fallen in love with the Word of God. Why? Because it begins to transform your life in a good way a good way. Luke 11 says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It it takes time to hear properly. And from the more you read of the word of God and meditate on it, the better your hearing will become. Try it. I challenge you again. Try it this year. Try it for a month. Read five minutes a day and concentrate on what you've read. Don't try to read the whole thing. Just read a little bit and concentrate on what you've read and see if you don't hear the voice of God. And see at the end of the month if your hearing isn't a whole lot better. Because I believe that it will be. I want to hear somebody at the end of February or thereabouts to come back and simply say, you know, I took that challenge and you're absolutely correct. If you come to me at the end of February and say, I took that challenge and it hasn't happened yet, you know what I'm going to tell you? Keep reading. I didn't get algebra the first time or the second time. I don't want anyone to leave here today without hearing this all-important Word of God. And this Word of God is for the believer and the non-believer. It's a reminder to us as believers, and it's a welcoming, it's a, it's a love story to all of us, actually, but for the non-believer. I cannot tell you how many times I've read this scripture over individuals that were so close. So close, you could just look in their eyes and they were so close, you've almost convinced me. Remember that we talked about last week? And... They're so close, and sometimes I'll pull it out, and I'll say, could you read this? And I'll just read it, and we all know it. They even have it in football games, the signs, John 3.16. But we often don't read the rest of it, because it really ties together quite well. For God so loved the world. Are you of the world? Are you in the world? Yes. 
and God loved you. How much did God love you? We'll read on. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. They usually set up and they're like, hmm. And then he goes on to say there, as we read on, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You need to know that God is not in the condemning mode. God doesn't condemn you. Not at all. Because God is love. See, if it ceased to be love, if he condemned you. So what happens there? But to save you. Notice that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Who are we saved through? Jesus Christ and him alone. Period. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Do you want to not be condemned of your sins, the sins that will condemn you? Do you want to not be condemned? Then believe in Jesus Christ, he saved. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Why does he stand condemned? Because God doesn't love him? No. He's just proved. He's just shown that God loves you. You stand condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Oh my. Truly how much God loves us. That he would save us. Do you know that today? Have any, has anybody told you that today? Has anyone ever told you that in your life? To hear the word of God. He loves you. He longs to save you. He longs to heal you. He longs to guide you. He longs to protect you. He longs to comfort you. You may not know that. But now you do. Because you read the word of God. And it is the truth for you as well. You see, truly spiritual growth comes from the study of God's word. And I want to thank you for studying with me today from God's word. Perhaps you've never received that love from God. We stand ready to help you with that. God stands ready with open arms If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let it be known. Just say, I love you back, Lord. I repent of my sins. I confess them that I'm lost without you. Then experience the new birth. The new birth so that you can have this new life, this new beginning. Because God's all about these new beginnings for all of us. Which leads us to those of us that have already done all of that. But for some reason, we've not been what we need to be. We haven't studied God's word enough to really know how it's directing my life. Or there's something that I'm going through in my life right now, and I've been trying to deal with it for a long time, and I haven't once picked up God's word to find out what he has to say about it. And I need a new beginning. And God says, I'll give you that as well. Whatever your need is today, God stands ready. You stand willing. God bless you as you make that decision. You come as together we stand and sing.